It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Very much so. Colder this morning than it was this time last Saturday. Holy cow. I think when I went to bed really early last night, it was like in the low 70s. And now it's 48 degrees outside. Really chilly, but a happy Saturday morning to you. I am your Green and Growing show host, Ashley Frasca, along for the next three hours. Um, in case you hadn't heard, yes, we are your home of the dogs, but today's game has been postponed. So tailgate was supposed to begin at 8, kickoff at noon in Missouri, and all of that just got scrubbed because of COVID. So I am back to being on the air with you until 9 o'clock this morning and hoping for a lot of great garden questions, garden calls, 404-872-0750 is the number. So only appropriately enough with the change in temperature now. We'll have Walter Reeves along at the bottom of the hour. I want to really get a good handle on protecting your plants, overwintering them, what to cover, what to bring in. And there is a right way and a wrong way to be most efficient when you're covering your plants on the really cold nights. Now, overnight, I don't think it got much below 43 or 42 just a few hours ago, so that's probably okay. But definitely need to start thinking about that with the cooler temperatures coming in. And a little later in the show, a gardener's Thanksgiving prayer. You've heard that on the Lawn and Garden Show every year. I'm going to continue that. I will be out next Saturday, so that's why I'm doing that a little early, sharing that with you, uh, Walter Reeves and I, later in the show. And then Pike's Nursery. Pike Nursery is along um, right at the end of the show at 8.30 to talk about the holiday plants and things they have in the store and why you need to go check it out this weekend. So I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the questions I've been receiving from all of you, one of which I've had repeatedly, why are hydrangeas still blooming? People are like, is this a bad thing? I know it's been unusually warm, but is that going to affect the blooms that I get in the springtime? Do I need to prune? What do I need to do? People just kind of freaking out. Well, enjoy them, first of all. Um, not, Not harmful at all. There are many varieties that we have, just like you've got Encore azaleas, and you're seeing some of those bloom right now. Endless summer hydrangeas, right? So that's kind of the point. They're designed to bloom later in the year along with the early summer. So a lot of people's hydrangeas that you're seeing are likely endless summer. So that's kind of a good thing, and it's staying warm. We haven't had one cold night to just nip everything in the bud yet. And I reached out to my friend uh, Norm Mitleider, who knows a lot about hydrangeas, just to kind of make sure. So, yeah, he says, you know, the idea that maybe the plants are confused because of the warmer weather could be true. But hydrangeas such as Endless Summer or are remontant. That means they can rebloom and they produce flowers into late October, early November, like we're seeing now. And Endless Summer hydrangeas... Just like Encore azaleas, they're they're really, really good to have and low maintenance, and you get to enjoy blooms more than once per year. But they put out an, uh, an overwintering checklist, if you will. That was actually a pretty neat little YouTube video that I watched put out by Endless Summer about their hydrangeas. So to overwinter those, that probably is one of the uh, a little riskier plants that you want to protect, a hydrangea for sure. So Going through just this quick list, uh, number one, don't fertilize things you're getting ready to overwinter because that's going to invigorate new growth, and we don't want to do that because it's going to be killed back with a freeze. So don't fertilize. 
in preparation for overwintering things and don't prune because that's going to invigorate new growth as well. So unless you just really need to get a handle on something and get it kind of sized right, don't fertilize, don't prune. Number three, you can water things that are in the landscape right now up until the first frost. But then, then when that signals for the plant to go dormant, it's going to go dormant. It's not going to require as much water. So that's kind of when you can lay off a little bit. Just what it gets from rain and all of that's going to be sufficient. And number four, anything that's tender outside, it's a great idea to insulate it. It's like you're providing a blanket for it with some mulch, some leaves, some pine straw, anything like that just layered. Maybe an inch or two thick around the plant is going to be really, really good and help it retain what moisture it has. And lastly, if you've got hydrangeas potted, which here in Georgia you don't see a lot of that, they're, they're great landscape plants, but if you do have them potted, bring them in. And the same rule of thumb applies. They don't need as much water when they're dormant, but the, the things that you bring in that are potted, they're not going to be able to have it, the access to that rain. So you do want to water them every now and then, just when you think about it, maybe as often as it rains. Kind of keep in mind to maybe water those potted things that you've got in the garage or the shed, whether it's begonia, geranium, hydrangea that you're trying to overwinter. So just a couple of tips, and we're going to get a little more into that with Walter Reeves at the bottom of the hour. First, taking a call. Here it is, Nicole in Griffin. She's up first. Good morning. Ashley. I'm out of breath, and I don't know if it's because I'm racing toward vacation or it's just warm in the studio, but I'm, I'm out of breath, so take it away. <laughs> all right, all right. How are you? Uh, fine, fine. Uh, talking about hydrangea, let the life go its course. You know, I don't bring them, and they're going to adapt, and uh, they need the cool soil, depending where they are. If they have a lot of moisture around, mm, around uh, not the basement, but around your house, you know, they will adjust. To me, don't bring them inside. Boy, we got enough stuff inside. You yeah, know, right. So. It just kind of makes it crowded. And you want to be careful with the house plants mm-hmm. and the, the Christmas and Thanksgiving cacti that you're bringing inside. So, yeah, hydrangeas like being outside. Yeah, they like to be outside and they need the moisture because inside, like in summertime, the air condition gets you dry, your house dry. The, uh, in, inside, you know, the heat is, oh, God, it, it's hard to keep even the tropical inside because they get so dry. But anyway, what I did last night, um, I think everybody needs a way to de-stress. Yeah, amen. That's why I'm going on vacation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but if, no, but, yeah. if you're not Any, going on vacation. <laughs> yeah, anything, dancing, music, uh, me, it's garden, because... Um, uh, the past few past, past two weeks, it's been going. You know, it's hard. But this winter is going to be harder because mm-hmm. we have to be inside. But anyway, the I like to do is keep my seed from one year to the other. I have some seed 2008. Oh, and they still produce. Are you serious? But, yeah. Wow. Zinnia, Titonia, yes. and things like this, but you have to know what to do with them. Okay, okay. I put them in the bottom of the refrigerator in the mason jar. The the seed cannot touch the uh, the glass because they're going to be dry. So put them in the sock and, and you know, in the bottom refrigerator. You're going well, to keep them. In what, like a Ziploc bag or a paper towel or... 
Uh, anything that's got to absorb the moisture, okay. cotton is better, like oh. a whole sock or maybe paper towel and things like this. Mm-hmm. But they need, uh, they need um, the mason jar is better because it's going to seal it and keep the cool outside and the cool inside. So um, yeah, that's what I did, and it's you know it's a good tip to uh, how to keep your seed. Uh, I always have to have my seed for many many duration generation because um, maybe one one year you know we don't have no seed. So if it keep down for a long time, you know. Two thousand eight. My goodness, that's yeah. I was just so shocked too. Right. I put them outside in the good soil, good environment, a lot of sun, you know, hmm. and uh, I was just you know because I had more time this year and I had to. Uh, I, I had so many seeds, it's not even funny. And I said, I put all those seeds outside, and I said, what come up, come up? What? It, because it's time to, uh, you know, renew the cycle, you know. Yeah, and it's a good way to remember all of the summer plants that we had and kind of get more mileage out of them. So zinnias, like you said, sunflowers, a lot of folks enjoy harvesting sunflower seeds. Um, there's so much. What do, what do you do with um, vegetable seeds? Like, do you save the seeds from any of the vegetables you grew over the summer? Yes. Huh. Uh, you know, this time of the year, uh, try to do that. In the morning, get uh, collect. If you want to bring some, some plants inside those flowers, you collect them early in the morning because they have the same coolness. Okay. But the seed, you have to come in the afternoon. Bring them in the afternoon when it's dry because if you bring all those seeds there's too much moisture and uh, just uh, try to get your nose near if it don't smell good it's not good just throw it away mm-hmm. you know so uh, i had some seed that i probably brought them the wrong time of the day oh. but uh, uh flowers if you want to bring some flowers inside uh, inside you know uh, just early in the morning but in the afternoon, seed. And uh, the environment needs to be dry because the seed, um, they don't need to be mildew or anything. You know, if it rains for two, three days, just wait until we get another two, three days to get uh, dry outside. That's you know, the seed this time that you can come inside, but you have the moon vine that's going to produce inside a pod. Mm-hmm. Those they can uh, wait a little longer because until the frost, you know, because the moon vine is not producing, it's going to go back in seed in a big pod. You bring the pod inside, and there's probably like five or six uh, big pod, you know, and then let them dry a little bit. And, and just keep the, them. keep the pod intact, right? Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because the, uh, the uh, humidity is going to go back to the seed. The seed needs some, uh, mm, I don't know how to say it, but they need to rejuvenate them, you know. But they need to be dry before they go in the fridge. And try to keep them in the bottom of the fridge because on top of the fridge, it's too cold. And the bottoms get more... Um, like in the drawers, the crisper drawers and things, yes, right? Yes, on the, on the need because yeah. uh, it's going to keep uh, the uh, same temperature. It won't uh, uh, variate. On top, it freezes sometime in the yeah. middle. Eh, 
there. But in the bottom, <laughs> it's always the same temperature. And that way, they're out of the way, too. So you can kind of just leave them be for a few months and then remember them in the springtime. Well, Nicole, it is that time. My goodness, it's coming up on 620. So Mike Shields is kind of mm. giving me the evil eye through the window. He wants to give us a traffic report. All He's right. a nice guy, though. I think I'm going to let him do it. All right, all right. <laughs> I'm so glad to talk to you. Enjoy your Saturday. Enjoy your day, Ashley. Stay peaceful, okay? Bye. Thanks, Nicole. All right, coming up, 620. Taking a break, check traffic and weather, and we'll be back on Green and Growing on WSB. Waking up to a chilly 48 degrees outside, but according to Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz, sunny today, warming up to around 70, and then tomorrow, a partly cloudy day, a stray morning shower possible north of the perimeter, so I guess that means the northern suburbs, Johns Creek, Sandy Springs, Roswell, Woodstock, Canton, you know. Uh, the high around 70 again, low around 43. Green and Growing! Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. So they say to never plant spring bulbs before November 1st. I, I don't really know why that is. But here we are in the middle of November, so you can do that. You can plant spring bulbs where they're out of the direct sun of the midday. Bulbs have a chilling requirement that's satisfied by winter soil temperatures. So that's why we got to put them in now and be thinking ahead for spring. And it wouldn't hurt to sprinkle 10-10-10 fertilizer over the soil and just dig it in there as you prepare the area for planting the bulbs. Number two, rough plow or spade garden plots containing heavy clay soil. We had a call about that a few weeks ago. A guy was thinking about getting things ready for the summer garden, which is a great, great idea and a great time to do that now because you're adding organic matter, lime if need be, if you've had a soil test. But leave the soil rough, and winter's thawing and freezing will break up the clods of the clay and kill some of the insects that overwinter in the soil, and that's going to loosen everything up in preparation for you in the spring and summer. And number three, move ferns and other plants inside if you haven't already. We're going to talk to Walter Reeves about that coming up. Many would argue, though, ferns, they shed a lot. They're kind of messy. The Boston ferns, they can be cut back before being taken outside, and they need humidity though rather than the dry heat in your home keep that in mind coming up on 6 30 news weather and traffic and more of green and growing stay tuned to wsb with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Very helpful to always have a live traffic reporter in the WSB Traffic Center 24 hours a day because we started off the show having just cleared a red alert 20 east at McDaniel Street near downtown. And then what do you know? We have another red alert on the West Freeway. You just heard Mike Shields there. 20 west shut down near Fairburn Road, Highway 92. So plan on an alternate route. We're going to keep you up to date on that. But in the meantime, as promised, he's here. It's Walter Reeves. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG garden guru, Walter Reeves. Here he is, the Georgia gardener, back with us the same time every Saturday morning on Green and Growing. Walter Reeves, good morning. Good morning, Ashley. So it's been chilly, of course. We're in November Ooh. in the south, so I hope you're bundled up and join your cereal in bed. 
Well, I sometimes still wear a T-shirt outdoors, but not in the early morning. It is cold in the morning. Right? I know. Yeah, that's when it's a good good sweatshirt and house shoes kind of weather. Yeah, exactly. A good sweatshirt weather for sure. So this is really the time of year when we love our relationship with meteorologist Kirk Mellish, and he just absolutely loved listening to your show, listened every Saturday, and we're kind of simpatico in what we're trying to coordinate and what we're trying to do from a weather aspect and then how that translates to you gardening outside. And I just loved one of his recent blogs, maybe from around the end of October, Walter, where he reminded us, you know, Here's when the first frost and the first freeze is going to be generally. And the difference, really, between frost and freeze. And he reminds, you know, readers, they're not the same thing. So under a clear sky with no wind and enough moisture, you get frost on the ground. And you see it on the Uh the grass blades on the rooftops with low temperatures, maybe as high as 39, maybe more around 37. But then the freeze obviously requires that low temperature of 32 degrees or lower. So we've already been around both of those. We've already dealt with frosts and um, some really cold mornings early last week around Election Day. So we should have brought our plants in by now. Uh Uh-oh. Should have, could have, would have. Did Walter? Uh, Not yet, quite. (laughs) (laughs) I brought two in. I say that's, that's good for me. The Meyer lemon is still outside. Weirdly enough, I really am curious of how much cold weather a lemon citrus plant can take. And my poor tortured Meyer lemon has been the subject of all my experiments. It's still outside. It's sheltered a little bit in the crook of my house where the, the stone patio is. But my Meyer lemon is still going to be out there for at least a little bit. I'll take pity on it when it gets down to 25 degrees at night. But we'll just see, see how long it survives. Yeah, technically, as a rule of thumb, I guess, you know, we all kind of start to freak out when it gets in the 40s, you know, and, and preemptively yeah, kind of yeah, bring things in. For smarter people than me, that's the temperature. When Kurt says, well, it's going to be in the 40s tonight, that's when you uh, bring your houseplants inside. But that's why, during the summer. that's why you're so successful, because you're not afraid to experiment. I mean, over the years, <laughs> and your chemistry background, when you went to the University of Georgia and stuff, uh, like you experiment, you try different things. So you may find us a very... Frost tolerant Meyer lemon accidentally. Yeah, the lemon doesn't appreciate all the experimentation, <laughs> I'll tell you that. So, bringing in those potted tree like plants like that, like a hibiscus, Diffenbachia, yeah. even, a lot of people really yeah, enjoyed yeah. moving those house plants outside over the summer. They're deliriously happy outdoors. House plants, as you probably know, are all mostly tropical in nature. That's where they came from, the tropics. And so bringing them outside in the summertime is one of the best things you can do for a house plant. I wouldn't put them in full sun, but in partial sun or sort of bright shade, house plants flourish. They really like being outdoors. They look so much better when they come in for the wintertime. And I guess we could say kind of the same for some of our succulents, either hens and chicks or cute little cacti that we had or something like that. If those are in small pots and stuff, bring them in, of course, succulents. You think of the desert. You think of cactus. That is not tolerant to the cold weather. Yeah. I've had a hens and chicks to survive a couple of years outside, but it sort of petered out after a while outside. Oh, you know one thing I want to remind people of? Hmm. If you have a Christmas cactus, Thanksgiving cactus, they're sort of interchangeable uh, in the trade. But if you have one of those Christmas or Thanksgiving cacti and you wonder how to make it bloom, the best way to make it bloom is to take it outside in the summer. and Don't bring it in until you just have to bring it in when temperatures again are in the 40s. Mine is loaded with buds right now because I kept it outside under the umbrella on my patio. Oh, that's really good to know. Okay, so it's going to put on more buds as it spends longer, more time outside and receives more yep. sunlight. 
Yep, and the temperatures and sunlight duration outside all trigger it to make buds, and that's why it looks so good in a couple of weeks. Now let's think about other things that we have potted that may not necessarily have to come in off of our decks, balconies, patios, but something that's worth covering, but it just doesn't have to come in. Like, for example, one thing that I've done every year is cover my two blueberry bushes with uh-huh. sheets, um, and that's not something that needs to come in. Those pots are, quite frankly, no. too large. Um, but what else would you think of that's okay to, to leave out? You just need to make sure you protect hmm. it on those really cold nights. I'm thinking blueberries is a great example. That's all I can think of. If you have your pots outdoors, you just cover a little bit, protect them during the wintertime. What, what else do you think of? What about um, florist hydrangeas? Like, those are so different than just yeah, our regular, you know, run-of-the-mill hydrangeas but some people are successful you know then potting those or putting those in the ground or or potting them up but um bringing those in what do you think are they a little more fragile yeah but you know a lot of times those forest hydrangeas if you get them in the spring and put them outside in a pot they get so big by the fall that I'd just rather go ahead and plant them in a protected place and see if they survive or not they just are so big they're such a to have around the house in the wintertime. You run into them all the time. So I don't know if I'd bring in hydrangeas, but I'd like plant them in a protective place and see what happens. When we do think about covering our larger potted things that we want to protect, give us yeah. kind of some guidelines there on how to cover it and what to use. All the way to the ground. If you don't cover it all the way to the ground, you have wasted your time. Because what you're trying to do by covering is to absorb some of the heat of the earth, the soil. And it radiates a lot of heat at night. So if you cover your plants all the way to the ground, not only things in the pots, but also other sort of semi-tender things that are in the ground currently in your in your landscape. And if you cover all the way to the ground, you use a piece of uh, brick or log or lumber or something like that to hold the covering in place. That's the way to do it. The cover that I like the most actually may seem counterintuitive, but I like black plastic hmm. because the black plastic actually gets stays cooler underneath it than clear plastic does. Clear plastic will get so hot underneath, but uh, black plastic, I've taken a thermometer and measured this years past, but it's much cooler underneath black plastic, which actually reflects more sunlight than it absorbs. That is counterintuitive. You're right. But yeah, black reflects more energy than it brings in or allows inside. And again, science triumphs here, but physics and science say that the, the area underneath clear plastics will be a lot hotter. That's why we use clear plastic to do the um, solarization in summertime gardens. Sometimes people will want to kill the weeds and things underneath these clear plastic to make the soil hot in the summertime. Okay, and I want to ask you about one more thing before we part ways. I'm thinking of folks hanging baskets, right? So in late summer into the fall, they were able to still enjoy hanging baskets of ferns and geraniums and maybe even begonias too. So of those, ferns, begonias, and geraniums, any of those worth bringing in trying to overwinter? Geraniums, yeah, I'd bring a geranium or begonia in. And the way I would do that is simply to cut them back a little bit when you just before you bring them in, cut them back to about a foot tall. And I know some people who take them out, put them in paper bags, and put them in the basement. I leave them in the pot. I might put them in a place that get a little bit of light during the wintertime. But the begonia and the geranium both water a couple of times during the winter. Don't water much, but just a little bit. They'll survive. They'll have a few leaves lost, but they'll generally survive until the next year if you really like the color, like the leaves on them. 
ferns, on the other hand, bring them inside. What a mess. They drop all of the leaves all over the floor. I don't much care for bringing ferns inside. They just can't get enough light to be happy and healthy indoors. Yeah, so Boston ferns and things like that, we're just better off yeah. buying buying new ones yeah. next year. Exactly. They look great. They look great uh, in, the, in the summertime. You think, man, i got to have this one again. Great. Go buy one. Pike Nursery has plenty of them. Be happy to sell you one in the spring. Perfect. Well, next Saturday, since it is getting you know colder and colder still throughout the month, we're going to be talking about what to do for our birds. Something really special to uh, keep them happy and healthy. Are you up for that? I think I can find some recipes to make people happy. Nice. To do in the wintertime. All right. This is the time we're going to talk to you next Saturday. So we look forward to it, Walter. Look forward to it, too. I actually see you then. Always appreciate the former host of the Lawn and Garden Show joining us on a Saturday morning. Thanks, Walter. 404-872-0750. Taking your calls from now until 8 o'clock. And then we'll figure out what we're going to do at 8. We may take calls. We may play an interview. I don't know yet. I was supposed to be on vacation, and here I am. But it's okay. I'm I'm glad to be here until 9 o'clock. The reason why I thought I was going off the air a little early was because of the Georgia-Missouri game. They got postponed. Kickoff was supposed to, or tailgate was supposed to start at eight and kick off at noon. And we're still your home of the dogs, just not this Saturday. Maybe we'll play. Um, maybe we'll play another game beginning at noon, just so you can get your bulldogs fix in. All right. Up next, talking to Betty in Emerson. Good morning. Thanks for calling, Betty. Good morning. So what's going on? I have a question. I have an elephant ear that is blooming, and I want to know: is this very unusual or? Have you ever seen one? That is so funny that you're calling about that because I just posted something on the Facebook page last week about that same thing. I got an email from, um, oh, what was his name? He was he was a lovely guy. Got an email from somebody and he sent me a picture of that bloom, Charles. He sent me a picture of this white bloom and it looks like a peace lily bloom almost, right? Yes, and it's about 10 inches long and it's a cream color. Yes, and that is unusual, but it's in the same Spathophyllum family as a peace lily elephant ear is. And it is not often that they bloom, but yeah, some folks have some uh, fortunate luck with them blooming. So consider yourself lucky. I think that's amazing. I think it's amazing, too. I'm 82-year-old, and I've never seen one blooming. Oh, you are so lucky. Well, tell us then, Betty, how you take care of your elephant ears and what you do maybe that's special or that makes them so happy? Well, I I got this as a gift from my sister. She gave me several of them, and I just put it in the ground, and I put some rich soil that I bought around it and just kept it watered. That's all I've done. Now, when did she give it to you? Last year. Okay, so you haven't had to dig it up and divide it yet and do all of that. Like it's still no. growing. Okay. That's... I've just left it alone. And when, you know, if a frost hit the leaves and they started turning brown, I started trimming back. Mm-hmm. And I go out there a couple of days ago and it is blooming. And I'm, I'm just astonished. That is so neat. And I'll tell you, being in Emerson, you're a little further north than me. I'm in Woodstock. But the first year I put my elephant ears and my canna lilies in, I was paranoid. And I did dig them up 
uh, just that very first year. I dug them up over the winter time. But every year since then, I have learned they're going to be fine. They overwinter just fine. If you need to cut back some of the yellowing growth, some of the canna lilies are starting to fall over. You can totally cut those back now. But just to protect that, Betty, and to keep it happy, go ahead and put a good layer of mulch, whether it's pine straw, leaves, actual mulch, whatever. Pile that up over those when they start to fade. And mark them, too, so that you'll remember where they are so that you can enjoy them next year. I can't guarantee you'll have a bloom next year, but how fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. And for anybody that wants to see what Betty's talking about, go to Facebook and search Green and Growing WSB. You'll find my page. Scroll down. You don't have to go too far. I just posted that picture from listener Charles on November 7th. So you don't have to scroll too far down the page and you can see exactly what Betty is enjoying right now. That is so great. Coming up on 650, got to take a break and check that traffic and weather and we'll be back to Green and Growing on WSB. Forty-five degrees right now. The weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. According to Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz, it's going to be sunny today, maybe a little breezy, high of around 70, low dipping down to the mid-50s, and tomorrow partly cloudy to mostly cloudy, lows at night getting down to 40 to 43 going into your Monday, but highs tomorrow around 70. Green, Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. All right, quickly, number one, it is time to plant spring flowering bulbs just out of the direct sun of the midday. And they've got a chilling requirement that's satisfied by winter soil temperatures. That's why you get them in now. When you're getting those holes ready, sprinkle a little bit of 10-10-10 fertilizer and you're good to go. Number two, you can rough plow or spade garden plots that contain heavy soil. Over the winter, the thawing and the freezing is going to help break some of that up and add organic matter to get all those spots ready for spring planting. And number three, move ferns and other plants inside. If you haven't already, you heard Walter and I talk about that. Ferns are going to shed, though. They may not be trying to overwinter. The only reason I mention them is because a couple of you have emailed me about them. Boston ferns, they can be cut back before being taken inside if you want to keep those, but they need humidity rather than dry heat in your home. And that goes for a lot of the plants you're going to try to overwinter and houseplants especially. Don't put them near a vent because that dry, dry heat coming out of the vent is not going to be good for them. Plus, you got to water them more. If you start to see brown tips on some of the leaves of your houseplants, that could be indicative of the, the fact that they're near a vent and they're not super happy. Just a note from the Georgia Forestry Commission, you know, all of October, I had them on with our falling into fall segments of Leaf Watch. Uh, it is Leaf Georgia Leaf Watch is over but they're reminding us you can still catch the late show of fall foliage color in North Georgia. And the recent weather stripped a lot of the leaves, yes. But some of the best color right now, oaks, maples, beech, and hickory. Still, the views in northwest and northeast Georgia are amazing. Coming up at 7 o'clock, your garden calls, 404-872-0750. I'm Ashley Frasca, and this is Green and Growing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.